Philippians. Uh, we are jumping into a, a new New Testament book. We finished up the Gospel of Matthew last week. So figured I'd, I'd uh, select a little shorter one this time. And uh, I know some of that makes some of you happy. So be happy. God is good. Um, what I want to do this morning, though, is uh, just kind of essentially give an overview of the book of Philippians. And so we, the text today was kind of those introductory verses. We'll come back to those introductory verses in the weeks ahead. But uh, we're going to talk about the kind of the theme of Philippians' unshakable joy in uneasy times. So let's, let's pause for a minute and ask God to help us today. Lord, we love you and praise you. We give you glory because you are worthy, because you are God. Not only are you the one true, triune, living, holy, sovereign, all-powerful God, you are creator, you are sustainer and provider, you are father to your children, and you are savior. And so, Father, it, with everything that is within us, we, we give you praise, we give you honor. And one of the ways we do that, Lord, is by being very attentive to what you've said. You are honored, Lord, when we respectfully, joyfully, willingly, gladly submit our lives to what you have given us, what you have revealed to us in your word. And what you have revealed in Philippians, Lord, is so monumentally relevant and helpful and good for us. So help us today to, Lord, put aside all distracting thoughts and feelings and uh, distractions, hindrances. Give us, Lord, what we need to be spiritually attuned and, and open and receptive and hungry and thirsty. And that you might speak clearly, Lord, even clearer than my voice or my observations or thoughts that your spirit would would move by the living word to the very core of who we are our motivation our intention our thought and that you would clarify things you would bring things to mind you would edify you would convict you would encourage you would build you would draw us to yourself you would do those things that only you can do we confess that we need that, Lord, even if we're unaware that we need it. We all need it today, and only you can provide. So, Lord, build your church for the glory of your name, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Unshakable joy in uneasy times. Life is simply not as smooth as we hope it would be, even try to prepare for it to be or wish it would be. No matter how we try to avoid difficulties, life gets uneasy at times. Conflict and confrontation come. Unforeseen turn of events happen. Natural calamity. 
unexpected obstacles, unwanted heartache and hardship. These things are present in our life in different seasons and in different times of life. The simple fact that we, we are all sinners and, and we live in a world that's filled with other sinners and, and the world itself is corrupted by sin and fallen in sin, it kind of guarantees that life is not going to be smooth. Life is not going to be difficulty-free. It's not going to be trouble-free. In fact, the Bible tells us, it just kind of lays it out for us in Job, that life is relatively short and sort of full of trouble. But that's, that's kind of a life in general. But when you add to that fact of life, when you add faith in Christ to the mix... That already certainty difficulty of life, then the the chance of facing uneasy times actually multiplies if you are indeed following Christ. As believers, we not only face the the troubles that are kind of guaranteed in this life in in a world of sin, but we also face the pushback of going against the grain. We're not only in this world of sin, but we are kind of head down into the wind against the flow of the world. Jesus said, if the world hates me and you're following me, it will hate you too. Paul said, through much tribulation, we will enter the kingdom of God. One of the few things we can be absolutely certain of in this life is that there will be seasons of great difficulty great hardship life will not always be easy and comfortable and easygoing and trouble free it won't always be mountaintop experiences in fact at times life seems extremely overwhelming overbearing and impossibly difficult that fact is precisely why the letter of Paul to the church in Philippi is an absolute treasure. An absolute treasure. So so that's number one, the the, the fact that life, we're going to have difficulties. But number two, have you lost your joy? I mean your joy in the Lord, your joy in Christian living, your, your joy in the faith your joy in God, your your joy in Christ and the gospel. Have you ever known such joy? Are you in a situation in your your journey with with the Lord that that all kind of seems hopeless and, and, and dismal? Philippians is the place to go to to guide us on the path to rediscover that joy in the Lord, to reignite that joy in the Lord. Some of us have, have, have walked through this life as believers with an absence of joy in the Lord for so long that we've kind of settled there and we've kind of come to this unbiblical conclusion that that's just the way it is. 
And so we just kind of push through life and, and we get happy about this and happy about that. But, but the, the joy of the Lord that is to sustain and carry the believer's absence from our life. And it's been that way for so long, we just figure that's just kind of the way it is. And we look around and, and we don't see much joy around us. And we just think, well, that's, that's maybe just the way it is in this life. Maybe reason number one, life is full of trouble, is the reason why there's number two. There's no joy in the Lord. Philippians says, that's not true. Philippians says, absolutely there's going to be trouble in this life. But it also says, absolutely there's joy in the Lord. So for today, that's, what I, I, that's the big thing, the big picture of Philippians that I want us to retrieve today from Paul's letter in overview. So I'm just going to make two broad kind of sweeping observations of the big picture of Philippians. Number one, the believer can experience a sure, unshakable joy that transcends all circumstances. The believer, notice that I said the believer can experience. This is something that's reserved for those who are in Christ, those who have the gospel, the treasure of the gospel in these jars of clay. The believer can experience a sure, unshakable joy that transcends all circumstances. You see, Paul is writing as a believer to believers. He's writing to the church in Philippi. The temporary joys of this life, that there are things that come in life just as being a part of life that are blessings and that are joys and, and that are common grace to all, the righteous and the unrighteous. The saved and the unsaved. And, but these temporary joys of life, they, they ebb and flow. They, they come and go. But the underlying joy of the believer is a constant. Can be a constant. Should be a constant. Even in the middle of the most trying situations in life. That's why we turn to Philippians for this lesson. Because joy is the most visible theme of this little book. The seasons of ease and comfort and the seasons of hardship and heartache, they can both have their different ways of immobilizing us and paralyzing us and distracting us from our true core and center as believers. And we lose that center when we lose focus on our faith, when we lose focus on Christ and the gospel. We lose our center and we lose our joy. And then we begin to try to seek that joy in other avenues. As believers, we need to hear this and we need to hear this often. That our joy is found in the Lord and in, in him alone. How can you have joy when you lose your job? Or, or when people you work with seems like the, the goal in life for them is to make your life as difficult as possible. How do you maintain joy? 
How do you have joy when you, when you lose your home? When you encounter financial stress and, and it seems like you're unable to make ends meet? When you lose a loved one? When you face an illness? When you face questions? When you face the unknown? When you may be ridiculed because you adhere to, to biblical truth, be, because you have a steadfast affirmation of the gospel of Christ, and because of that, you're, you're ridiculed and you feel pressure and you feel opposition and, and you feel pressure to be silent. How can we maintain joy in the difficulties of of this life. Now, I'm not saying that Christians are supposed to always be bubbly and smiley, smiling. I'm not saying you come home and say, Guess what, darling? I lost my job! That's not what I'm saying. That's not what Paul is saying. There may be, according to what job it is, you may be happy. Christian joy means that we can face trying times. And not give up. That while enduring the unwanted things and unthinkable things, we maintain a steady confidence. A steady confidence in Christ. An an unwavering peace and, and rest and satisfaction deep in our soul while everything else is tossing and turning and seems like upheaval. That there's a steadiness and satisfaction deep in our soul that doesn't move. This book will teach us how. It's an absolute treasure. Philippians is filled with Paul's explanations of his joy and his exhortations for joy to his readers. Sixteen references of joy in four chapters. Seems like joy is on his mind. Now, it's extremely important not only to make that observation that it seems like Paul can't get over his joy. Alongside that observation of just reading through the text, it's extremely important to be reminded of the context of this letter that seems to be so full of joy. Because the context in which Paul is writing this letter is a surrounding and a circumstance for which we would consider anything but joyful. So Paul has latched on to something that we need to hear. He's in circumstances that, that, humanly speaking, have nothing to do with joy. And he can't, keep, he can't quit talking about it. He's in prison. And he writes a letter and he keeps talking about joy. Not only is he in prison, he's in prison for doing the right thing. That is, living out his faith and sharing the gospel. Lands him in prison. And the main theme of Philippians is not complaining. 
which would be my main theme in my letter. God, I can't believe what you're doing. I can't believe you put me here. His main theme is joy. He's in prison. He's in prison for doing the right thing. And here's a third thing. This is a big one. He has enemies that are taking advantage of his imprisonment. That kicks in the gut. I don't know if you felt that kick. I have a number of times. And I didn't respond in joy. Paul is latched on to something here that we need, that we need to hear, that we need to hear often. Paul is in such an understanding of true joy that through all of this, he is able to find it, lock in on it, hone in on it, and enjoy an enduring joy. Listen to these examples. Paul says he has joy in prayer. Remember where he's at. Paul says he has joy in prayer. Chapter 1, verse 4. Paul says he has joy that the gospel is being proclaimed. Chapter 1, verse 18. Paul says he has joy in knowing that he is in the faith. Chapter 1, verse 25. Paul says he has joy in Christian fellowship and in Christian unity. Chapter 2, verse 2. Paul says there is joy in laying down his life for brothers and sisters in Christ, chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Paul has joy in Christian reunion, chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. Paul has joy in growing in holiness, chapter 4, verse 1. You see, Paul is finding surprising joy in the most unexpected place in prison unshakable joy in uneasy times. Now, how is Paul finding joy in prayer and in growing in holiness and in sacrificing for the good of fellow believers within his context? Such a joy that it seems to override his present joyless circumstances. He seems to have joy where you're not supposed to have joy. And here's the answer. Listen carefully. Paul's joy is rooted in his relationship with Christ. That's the key. We're rooting our joy in the wrong places and that's why we lose it when we lose those places all of the examples that I've just walked through of Paul's joy none of them come from the world he's not finding his joy in the world because all of those joys are temporary they come and go So when Paul's world turns upside down, his joy doesn't evaporate. See, I have that problem sometimes. I don't know about you. Maybe you guys know more than I do. But sometimes my joy evaporates when my circumstances change. 
Paul's seems to be steady. So all of these examples then that we just walk through of Paul's life, the joy in Paul's life is springing from his ultimate joy, which resides only in the Lord. Three times Paul commands his readers, rejoice in the Lord. See, he's given us his secret. Rejoice in the Lord. That's why I'm talking about joy all the time. In other words, Paul's life is radically centered on Christ. Everything he faces, he views through the lens of Christ and the purpose of Christ and the glory of Christ. So everything that he faces, he he sees as coming from Christ. He sees as revolving around Christ, and he sees as for Christ. For Paul, Christ is all. And that's why he writes in chapter 1, verse 21, listen to this. For me, Paul says, to live is Christ. That's a guy in prison. For doing the right thing. Who has enemies taking advantage of his imprisonment. He's giving us the secret. Which raises the question for us, doesn't it? If we've lost lost our joy. Or if we're in a process of trying to rediscover our joy. What have we been living for? Joy that is unshakable by the strong winds of change and unmoved by the upheaval of peril or persecution or opposition is rooted in Christ when he is our life, our treasure, our everything. You see, when Christ is your everything, you can't lose it. But when any and anyone else, anything or anyone else is our life, You can lose it. Listen how Paul describes how his life is so radically Christ-centered. He says his imprisonment is for Christ. Chapter 1, verse 13. He says his preaching is for Christ. Chapter 1, verse 18. He says his body, whether in life or in death, is for Christ. Chapter 1, verse 20. 27. He says the way we live is to be for Christ. Chapter 1, verse 27. He says faith and suffering are both gifts to us that enable us to glorify Christ. Chapter 1, verse 29. He says that true gospel ministry takes place when we surrender our ambition and our goals and our purposes to the interest of Christ and his goals and his purposes. Chapter 2, verse 21. Paul says, whatever we sacrifice in this life is our offering. It's what we are giving for the sake of Christ. Chapter 3, verse 7. You see, Paul's entire life is radically Christ 
centered. Everywhere he looks, he's looking through the lens of how this is about Christ. How this is for Christ. But what's even more thrilling and helpful to discover is that's not Paul's complete answer. There's more. Paul digs even deeper down into the life of the believer. There's something even more fundamental at work in Paul's life that we begin to get the glimpses of and see in the book of Philippians. So underneath Paul's unshakable joy is his unwavering life in Christ. And underneath his life in Christ is this bedrock, ultimate foundation of all, Paul says is the glory of God. So when Paul digs down as deep as you can go into the Christian life, the shovel stops at the bedrock of the glory of God. Everything is built on that. Everything is about that. Christ is Paul's life. The glory of God is his universe. That's where his life for Christ operates in the universe of the glory of God. Listen to these foundational statements from Paul throughout the book of Philippians. Number one, Paul says, we exist for the glory of God. Chapter 1, verse 11. Paul says, the exaltation of Christ, God's work of redemption... Everything that we've studied for four and a half years in Matthew is for the glory of God. Chapter 2, verse 11. Our salvation is ultimately God's work for his glory. Chapter 2, verse 13. And everything exists for the glory of God. Chapter 4, verse 20. You see, Paul knows a deep abiding joy no matter what happens in this life. Number one, because Christ is his treasure. And whatever may come, he can't lose that treasure because that treasure won't lose him. But underneath his treasure, he knows that somehow everything is working in some way for the glory of God because that is the purpose, that's the bedrock of everything. You see, Paul stood on the foundation of the glory of God which drew him then to treasure Christ above all things which then enabled him to always find joy. We lose our joy, church, when we build our lives on lesser things. Those things are not enduring. They will not last. And therefore we lose our joy. 
That's the first observation. The second we'll walk through a little quicker, okay? The second one is this. Difficult trying circumstances are gospel opportunities. God doesn't bring hardships into our path to sit back and just see how miserable we'll be. There are many reasons why God sovereignly allows hardships in our lives. Many reasons. God's always doing a hundred things, not one thing. But one thing that God is doing when hardships come our way or hardships come to the way of the people we love and know is they create, hardships create gospel opportunities where in some cases the gospel door is closed. One of, the, one, of, one of the ways the gospel door remains closed is ease and comfort. That's why Jesus said it's really hard for a rich man to get to heaven. But hardship kind of opens that door. Crisis opens the door for gospel opportunities. Even in the lives of fellow believers. So sometimes the greatest gospel opportunities in our lives and in the lives of others, they come veiled in dark, troubling, uneasy times. So Paul gets landed in prison for preaching the gospel. You would think, well, there it is. That, you know, the, the door is shut, but actually that opened up more doors. You see how God works? God works in ways beyond the way we reason and rationalize and think. So this book is going to teach us as believers how to be the church in tough times. How to see difficulties as gospel opportunities. How to give and sacrifice for the sake of brothers and sisters in Christ. For the living out of the gospel, the display of the gospel that we profess. Now, the book of Philippians, even though the, the, the major theme of the book is undoubtedly joy, the purpose of the book is, it's a thank you letter. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi to say, thank you. Thank you. When the church at Philippi heard that Paul was in prison in Rome, they immediately took up a substantial sacrificial love offering to provide for his needs, to make sure that he was taken care of while he was enduring hardship for the sake of the gospel. And they sent his friend, Epaphroditus, to deliver it personally to Paul. This is a warm-hearted, brotherly, affectionate token of love demonstrated to Paul. That church wanted Paul to know that they loved him dearly for bringing them the gospel. They wanted him to know, you're not alone. We are with you. We are standing with you. We are praying for you. And because of that 
act of sacrificial generosity. They ministered to Paul in his time of crisis. This particular one just happened to be financial, monetary. But that monetary blessing freed Paul. It freed him to focus on ministry rather than each and every day wondering how he's going to be taken care of. They took care of him and now he was not distracted by those daily needs and he he wrote letters. He realized the, the, the kinship that the church at Philippi felt for Paul enabled us to open our Bibles to Philippians this morning. He wrote letters. He encouraged believers who were able to visit him. He shared the gospel with the guards and with with all who would listen. The more they tried to keep Paul from ministry, the more he was able to ministry in ways they couldn't understand. His imprisonment that was meant to put bars on the gospel actually turned into an open door for the gospel with ears for the gospel that never would have heard the gospel if Paul would not have been put in prison. You see that? That's why Paul says, oh, this is the most joyful place I've ever been. How? Why did all of that happen? The church stepped up to encourage him. You see, God uses us to help one another rediscover unshakable joy in uneasy times. Four points of application for our conclusion today number one true joy is only in the lord it's not in trinkets or trips in material prosperity or financial security it's not in uh, social media followers or in relationships ultimate joy true joy Because you see, when we lose those things through difficulty or peril or persecution, and yet we still have joy, we demonstrate to the world that true joy is only in the Lord. Number one, rejoice in the Lord. Number two, When the hardship of my brother becomes my concern such that it moves me to sacrificial acts of service and love, we bless that brother. We lift up that brother to reignite and rediscover that unshakable joy. And we also show the world that the bond of faith is deeper than any earthly bond. Number three, if you've lost your joy, if I've lost my joy, it's because we've lost our foundation, our our footing on our foundation of God's glory. And our life is Christ. So let's return to him today. 
rediscover and reignite that joy, that unshakable joy. And then lastly, if you've never known the joy of the Lord, you can know it today. You can know it today if you will trust Christ, make him your treasure. You may have come here today burdened by sin. You may have come here today heavy of heart with life. You may have come here today confused or disillusioned with life. You may have come here today absolutely spiritually numb and could care less. But you can leave with the joy of the Lord. Make Christ your treasure. Discover unshakable joy. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we lift high your name. You have given us, you have given to us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what we all need, wherever we are, whether we are not in the faith or whether we are in the faith, wherever we are, there is something for us to discover. It might might be salvation or it might be the next step in our walk with Christ. There's something else for each one of us today. Would you, by your grace, Father, compellingly show us and move us that by faith we might cling to what you have for us here today in your Son, and in his name we pray, amen. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens, pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons, read blogs, and learn more about the missions branch, P67 Missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.